Well, good evening. Merry Christmas. We are so thankful that you have come to be with us tonight. The most wonderful time of the year, every year, in the Johnson home is Christmas. Each day, the first person up plugs in the tree. Christmas music is on nonstop, and thanks to Alexa, they're able to do that at command now with all kinds of music. Christmas shows are on repeat. Christmas devotionals are read. Christmas songs are sung around the dinner table. And Christmas traditions are both created and vigorously reinforced. We always get the tree the day after Christmas, or the day after Thanksgiving. We always go see the Nutcracker. We always listen to Handel's Messiah. We always watch the Muppet Christmas Carol on Christmas Eve. That's what we'll do when we leave here. And we always, always spend a full day downtown in Philadelphia. It is basically the same day on repeat every year. We eat the same food. We go to the same places. We walk the same streets. We have the same conversations, reliving the same events from the previous year. It is the best time as we just walk around the city and remind ourselves of these things and look forward to it next year. And they always get to skip school to do it. Sorry to all of the teachers, no offense. But there's always a bit of an irony for the careful observer while we're walking around Center City. The background music in stores moves from Bing Crosby to Ella Fitzgerald as the season is promoted as one for family, for friends, and peace for the world. But the Christmas, Christian meaning of Christmas intrudes uninvited through Christmas carols like Heart the Herald Angels Sing. The everlasting Lord from highest heaven comes down to be the offspring of the virgin's womb to see that God and sinners are reconciled by laying his glory by that we may no more may die through an inward spiritual regeneration that is so radical, the song describes it as second birth. Christmas is the one season of the year that millions of people all around our city and our community, if they will take the trouble to listen, hum to the message of the gospel while they're shopping and gallivanting around the city and decorating in their homes. To understand Christmas is to understand that message, the basic message of Christianity, the gospel. That's why you've gathered here this evening. What is that basic gospel message? Genesis tells us something of that message in Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. Moses writes, The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, Cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband." but he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return." Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is truth. 
And we have gathered around it this evening before we go home to do whatever it is that we will do this evening to prepare for Christmas tomorrow. Some of us will quickly go to bed. Some of us will go and eat. Some of us will stay up late into the evening. Some of the kids will try to sneak out of their room. But Father, in all of these moments, we know that the reason that we've gathered now is not just because of those traditions, but because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And this scripture here in Genesis tells us something of the gospel message. Help us to listen to your word tonight. Give us ears to hear to apply the gospel to our lives. Give us eyes to see the beauty of the gospel in the Christmas story and encourage us. We ask all of this in the name of our God who has revealed himself to us as Father, Son, and Spirit. Amen. Genesis 3 tells us what we already know to be true, that the world is a very dark place, a place that is so dark that we'll never really find our way or see reality clearly unless God acts. And that is exactly what Genesis 3 promises, that God will act. Hear it again in verse 15. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. But why does God have to act on our behalf? Because in this dark world, there is both evil and ignorance. The world is filled with evil and untold suffering. From Genesis 3 to now, the world has been full of disobedience and pride, violence and injustice, abuse of power and homelessness, Refugees fleeing oppression, families ripped apart, cancer, and all sorts of endless grief. And no one is able to cure the evil to stop the suffering. So we grope for it in ignorance as we look to experts and mystics and scholars for solutions in the state or in the market or in technology. But their technology is never advanced enough and their solutions never quite work. And their pontifications never satisfy. And the message of Christmas to us this evening tells us that it never will. They will never be able to put the world together so that it is a place of peace and unity without death and decay. In the most unsentimental way, Christmas says to us, things are really bad. And you cannot heal or save yourself. Things really are dark. Nevertheless, there is hope. But the hope of Christmas is not from this world. The hope of Christmas comes to us from another world. And that is the good news because according to Genesis 3, we have lost the original full right relationship with God that humanity had with God at the beginning. And that is the reason that we will all eventually know physical death. And that is the reason that we experience spiritual death now, a loss of meaning and hopelessness. Addictive and inordinate desires. Deep discontent so that we're never really satisfied. Shame and struggles with our own identity and an inability to change. Our hearts are restless, as Augustine taught us, until they find their rest in God. But when will that happen? The text tells us when God actually raises up the offspring of the woman who will crush the serpent's head. Hear it again in verse 15. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. 
This offspring, Christmas tells us, is a child born for us. Isaiah said it like this in chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For us, to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice, with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of the hosts will do this. This child, the offspring of the woman, the prophet tells us, is mighty God, everlasting father, which means he is the creator and yet he has been born. He is a human being and he is God. It is really ridiculous that we say that we celebrate this message at Christmas. If we're honest, what we should do is stare dumbstruck, be lost in wonder with love and praise and gratitude in our hearts for God, that God would be born so that we might be reborn. Matthew's gospel said it like this, and now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus." for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. When we're reading through the Bible, the people who actually understood Jesus to be the offspring of the woman never acted indifferently toward him. Once they realized who Jesus was, they were either scared of him, furious with him, or they fell down to worship him. But nobody simply liked Jesus. Nobody simply said, he's a really inspiring figure, and he makes me want to be a better person so that I can live a better life. Friends, the message of Christmas is this. If the baby born in Bethlehem is the mighty God, Emmanuel, God with us, then you must serve him completely. And perhaps now, just for a moment, we get a glimpse of why. He was one of infinite highness, mighty God, yet he humbled himself and became one of us, involved in our condition, living a life like we live, frustrated by it like we are often frustrated, in order to know our darkness to lead us to light. He saved us by going to the cross, and he did it all voluntarily, freely, willingly, because he loves you. That is the beautiful message of Christmas, and that is the reason this is the most wonderful time of the year, because every year we are reminded of why we should love Jesus and obey Jesus, because Jesus brings new life to replace our spiritual deadness. Because Jesus shows us the truth that heals our spiritual blindness. Because Jesus is the beauty that breaks our addictions to money, sex, and power. Because Jesus walks with us into and through the shadow of death where no one else is able to go with us.
So the question at Christmas is, how can Jesus become ours? Isaiah told us, if we were listening carefully, he said this, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The message of Christmas is that it is a gift, a gift that can be yours if you will receive it as a gift of grace, which is what we actually love so much about Christmas. It is a time for giving gifts. Some of us love to give them. It is a time for receiving gifts. All of us love to receive them. But as one pastor said, consider how challenging it is to receive certain kinds of gifts. Just imagine how some gifts actually make you swallow your pride. Tomorrow morning, you go to the tree, you pull out a gift, you unwrap it from a family member, and then you open it up, and it's a book on dieting. And then you go and you get another gift because that one wasn't that great, and you take the paper off of it, and you look inside, and it's a book that says how to overcome selfishness. To say thank you is admitting that you're fat and obnoxious. In other words, some gifts, to receive them, are very humiliating, and they humble us because they remind us that we have flaws, we have weaknesses, that we're needy, and we need something to help us. There has never been a gift that you have been offered that makes you swallow your pride to the depths of the gift of Jesus Christ Christmas means that you are so lost, so unable to save yourself, that nothing less than the death of the Son of God could save you. To accept the true Christmas gift, you have to admit what you like to suppress in your life, that you are a sinner who has ruined your life by your sin, that you need to be saved freely by the grace of God, that you need to actually give up all of the control that you've been clamoring for in your life that you need to receive the baby born in Bethlehem as both Lord and Savior of your life. But if we're honest, that's descending lower than really any of us want to go. But if you receive the gift of Christmas, then you will be saved. Will you receive it? If you will repent of your sins, turn away from them, if you will believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, if you will confess with your mouth that he has been raised from the dead, if you will trust him by faith, then you will be saved. Then you will know the hope of Christmas. Then you will experience the everlasting wonder of the gospel. You will leave this place forever changed. And no matter what you might receive tomorrow or not receive because of any circumstances in your life, you will know for certain that on the last day, you can have hope. And as you look forward to that day, you can live in hope and have the message of the gospel be one that is a living reality for you now. Why do we gather on Christmas Eve and come on nights like this to sing songs of praise and to hear a sermon preached because we believe this message is true and it can be accessed by faith. The Bible says that no one, not even the greatest human being, does not need this gift. And no one, not even the worst human being who has ever lived, can fail to receive the gift of Jesus Christ if they will trust him by repentance and faith. For to us a child is born, for to us a son is given. He is the one, the apostle tells us, who was born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. In Genesis 3.15, God himself prophesied that he would one day crush the head of Satan and defeat evil. 
But it was centuries, millennia, before the angel came to Mary and told her about the child that she was to bear. That promise was a long time coming. And friends, that experience is not unlike yours. The promise has been a long time in fulfilling. Every Christmas, we're reminded as we celebrate his first coming that we're still looking for his second coming. We're still waiting, hoping, looking forward, anxiously wondering, when will the one who was born come back to receive us and redeem us and put a final end to all of the suffering of this life? But then Jesus came. Friends, Christmas reminds us that God may appear slow, but he never forgets his promises. He may be seeming to work slowly or even forgetting his promises, but when the promises come true, and they always do, they burst the bank of anything that you could have ever imagined. Christmas reminds us that God is working out his purposes in the world through the offspring of the woman who defeated the darkness and who will put an end to the evil, and that is worth celebrating. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the Christmas story, the basic message of the gospel. And Lord, we ask that you would help us tonight to leave this place and to be reminding ourselves of our great need for that basic message of the gospel. Not an advanced status as Christians, not something new and revelatory, but the simple, basic message of the gospel, that Jesus Christ came into this world to save us from our sins, and he did. Father, we thank you for Jesus, the one who lived for us and died for us and has been raised for our justification and has ascended into heaven, is interceding for us, and who will one day come again for us. And Father, we pray for any who have gathered with us this evening, whether they're young children or first-time guests, whether they're people who regularly worship at our church or are here because we have a Christmas Eve service, if they have not yet trusted in Christ, that this evening, tonight, they will look to the Son of God and find the hope of Christmas, hope of sins forgiven, hope of everlasting life, hope of eternal change. And we ask all of this in the name of Jesus, the mighty friend of sinners. Amen.